weeks, we've finished, we just finished off a series. We were talking about, you know, what it, what it'd be like to, you know, as adults choosing to um, follow Jesus Christ or to choose to have faith as, uh, as an adult. And some of the thoughts that we looked at as I was going through them, it, it got me thinking about some of the things I want to share today. Some of the stuff's from Andy Stanley, some of the stuff just things that, that uh, stirred up in my heart. And I, I want to challenge you with that. See, today we're celebrating the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. A man rose from the dead. My question for you today is, do you believe that? Do you believe it? There's a, there's a, there's a guy named Ripley who, uh, if you might have heard of Ripley's Believe It or Not, Anybody heard of Ripley's Believe It or Not? Maybe you've been to the Niagara Falls and you've gone through and seen all those crazy things or maybe you've read the book and uh, you're looking through and you're like, man, if I didn't see this, I don't know if I believe all this, you know, somebody, all this stuff that I'm, that I'm reading. And the thing that I want to challenge you is in your life, no matter where you're at, do you live your life uh, uh, believing this or not? Do you believe that a man was really raised from the dead? Uh, or not. See, we celebrate Easter because we believe that Jesus, a man, uh, but also God, was raised from the dead, not literally and physically. Not just, you know, a spiritual thing, not that he saw some, you know, whatever, that he was really raised from the dead. And so for those who are, follow- or, or are not followers of Jesus here, you might think, ah, you know, that's just, that's kind of hard to believe. I, I don't know, you know, I'm, I, I go to church on Christmas and Easter, and if you look outside, it feels like the same day, right, you know, um, but it's, it's that, that idea of I'm just kind of here to make somebody happy, you know, keep my mom or my grandma happy, I'll be in church twice a year, maybe keep God happy if he's there, but man, raised from the dead, come on, <laughs> who believes that? But as Christians and as followers of Jesus, I want to challenge you with that thought as well, because we talk about the cross a lot, and we talk about the fact that Jesus died a lot. But when you start thinking about it, you start going through, do we really believe that Jesus rose from the dead? I agree. Do we really believe? And for some, you're like thinking, oh, I don't know, I really haven't thought about it. I like Jesus' teaching. Raised from the dead. I, I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess I believe it. But have you thought it through to, to think about it? And I want to encourage you because for some, it is difficult to believe. And as you challenge it and you think your life, you know, you look at your life, if you say that you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus, do you live your life um, believing, knowing every day he's raised from the dead. And there's nothing impossible for him. I have access to, the, to uh, a relationship with God that I can live in every single day with him because he rose from the dead. Or, or is there something that, that's a disconnect there? And I want to try and help connect that this morning. Praying Holy Spirit will do, the, do that in, uh, in hearts. But I want to look at some people uh, from the time of the Bible that found it a little bit hard to believe uh, and see what happened with them. So uh, if, you, if you turn in your Bibles, go to um, the book of John, John chapter 3. Um, there's a story in John chapter 3 of a man who meets uh, a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a, an intellectual guy. He's pretty smart. He's very religious. He was part of the Jewish uh, group of spiritual leaders, their pastors, and, and uh, uh, they were waiting for the Messiah, but they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And he, um, he came to Jesus at night once and asked him, he said, hey, you know, Jesus, we, we, we know that you're from God because nobody else can do what you're doing, but... Ah, it's just kind of hard to believe that you're the most, some other things that just don't line up. And so he's asking him, and Jesus starts talking to him, saying, listen, uh, Nicodemus, you're not going to understand any of, this, uh, any of this stuff about Messiah until you understand that you need to be born from the inside, that God's got to wake you up inside, that your spirit's got to come alive. And, and, and he kind of compared it to being born again, and Nicodemus is like, what? You know, going back into my mom, like, that's not, he's kind of that smirk on his face, like, that's not possible. You know, you're talking to an educated man here. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? How? 
it sounds interesting, but it's kind of hard to believe. It's kind of it's hard to trust that that's what this is all about. And he says, you know, nobody's seen heaven. Jesus is like, I know, but I've come from heaven. Like, you guys try and figure this all out without knowing. Because I know. I know what I'm talking about. I am, I am who you think I am. I'm the Messiah. And he's like, ah, oh, I, I, I help me out a little. So Jesus goes back to the Old Testament and begins to tell him stories. And he tells, he tells him a story that he already knows. And it's the story of Moses and the children of Israel in the wilderness. And he says back then, he says, you remember this? There was a, there was a, a time when, when your people were being bitten by snakes. And it says, uh, he says, you remember how Moses lifted up this serpent, this snake, this bronze snake, put it on a pole. Everybody looked at that snake. If they got bit by the snake, they could just look at that one and they'd be healed. Do you remember that? He's like, yeah, yeah, okay, I remember that. Um, it's a long time ago, but I remember studying it. And, G- and Jesus says to Nicodemus, he says, you know what? And he says, even as Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man needs to be lifted up, and he will draw all men unto himself. And it says, he'll be, he, if he's lifted up, and that, that those who believe in him, those who trust in him, will not perish, but have everlasting life. Anybody ever heard those words before? Will not perish, but have everlasting life? Yeah, see, because most of the time, we only read the verse that came right after all that. And that's John chapter 3, verse 16, where Jesus said, it's not in the same way that Moses lifted up a serpent, and as they looked to it, they were healed. He says, the Son of Man, me, I'm going to be lifted up. And, and he says that whosoever believes in, in me, in him, will, have, um, uh, will not perish but have everlasting life. And Nicodemus is sitting there thinking, what? Believes? I've spent my whole life trying to behave. I'm trying to be a good boy. I'm paid, actually, to be good. That's my job. You know, I'm good so that I can offer sacrifices for the not-so-good people. And you're telling me it's just believe? Ah, but I find it hard to believe. I find it hard to trust. He wasn't the only one. You know, that was before Jesus had, uh, had died. And, and, you know, we'll find out later Nicodemus was there. And as the, as the cross was being raised up, as Nicodemus is watching and seeing, as it, as it goes up, all of a sudden the lights click in for him like, ah. <gasps> wait a second, I know what he said. You know, they didn't think he was going to die, but as he sees him raised up on a cross, he realizes, ah, I, I get it. I get it. The same way that they looked to, to that serpent then is the same way that we can look to Jesus today and be healed and the, and the lights um, come on for him. Uh, and it's like, oh, we could find out later that he believed. He was able to put his trust there. But there was a group of people afterwards that as they traveled around the world telling the story about a man raised from the dead, there was a man named Paul that we talked about last uh, week who traveled all over the known world starting churches and telling them a man was raised from the dead to prove that God loves you. And these churches started and we, they were gatherings. They weren't buildings. They were groups of people. And uh, Paul uh, had planted one in this place called Corinth. And Corinth is a real place. And so it's, it's, this is the Corinth uh, in Greece um, today. You know, everything's kind of gone now, falling apart, but it was a real place. And so Paul traveled there and he shared this news and these people were like, yeah, let's, uh, let's be, become followers of Jesus. And so Paul went on to plant another church in another place and he ended up in prison. And so he writes a letter back to this group in Corinth and uh, he had heard from them that uh, they didn't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead anymore. They just didn't believe there was any such thing as resurrection from the dead. It was, their church had only been there for three years and they're already changing the doctrine of what, what they believed when they started. And so they, somehow Paul hears about it in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, last night I put up 1 Corinthians 5, which is a totally different and crazy scripture. But I think we have 1 Corinthians 15 uh, to this, this morning. It says in verse 1, Paul writes this letter to them. He says, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters. He's writing to believers. He's writing to followers of Jesus. And they're Gentile followers of Jesus, which is 
for those of you who are followers of Jesus today, unless you're Jewish, you fit into this category. So as he's writing to this, he says, let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news, of the good news that I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It's this good news that saves you. It's this good news that saves you. Uh, it's, um, um, uh, if you continue to believe, it's this good news that saves you if you continue to believe. Ah, it's hard to believe. That word believe is not just like, I believe something up here. It's like this idea of I completely trust. I wholeheartedly trust. He says that good news, that message, it's going to save you if you wholeheartedly trust in it. Uh, and it says, unless, of course, that you believe something that was never true in the first place. And he begins to talk about that. He's like the same idea of, to, of back then that he had good news for them, I have good news for you today. The same thing is true today, that if you continue to hold on to and to put your trust completely in, that good news, it'll save you. And you're like, well, what's the good news? And I'm glad that Paul carried on to make sure that he let them know. He was just saying, basically, I'm going to tell you what the good news is. I'm going to remind you what it is, but don't let go. That same idea of don't let go is like this guy. As long as he's holding on, he's good. But the second he lets go, it's certain death. It's certain, certain um, tragedy for his life. And as followers of Jesus, back then it can happen to us now. It's that idea of thinking, you know what? Ah, you know, there's certain circumstances that happen in my life that kind of challenge that thought. I, I don't really know anymore, you know? I thought God was good, but he let my mom die. You know, I thought that there was, you know, that prayer worked, but ah, I didn't answer mine. And there was, there's some of these thoughts, and we begin to challenge some of the things that, that are foundational. And Paul says, you know what? That stuff's not what your faith is built on, but it's this thought. He says, it's this good news. It's, it's holding on to this. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 and 4, he says this, I passed on to you what was most important. I told you what was most important, primary of importance. All the other stuff, it, it all is built on this. This most important part is, is what I'm passing on to you that was also passed on to me. And he says this, that Christ died for our sins. And this, as, um, just as the scripture said, he began to tell them, saying, listen, this was prophesied before and it happened. Christ died for our sins, and he was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He said, listen, in the word you can find this that's, that predicted this to happening, and it happened. And as we think about the story, you know, Paul wrote this, and we think, you know, it's easy to believe that first part, right? The first part where it says, you know, uh, Jesus, um, he died and he was buried. And we're like, well, that's not too hard to believe. You know, that somebody 20, you know, 2,000 years ago that they died? I'd be like, if I said that to you, somebody, you know, a man that lived 2,000 years ago died, you'd be like, no kidding, Mark. Every one of them that lived 2,000 years ago died. Like, that's not a newsflash. 10 out of 10 people die. We're, we, we, we have no problem believing that. And yet, and yet as you read the, the gospel writers, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, people who were there uh, at, at that time, they began writing these letters and they wanted to make sure that people knew that Jesus was dead. They wanted to make sure that they actually knew that he was dead. And why is that important? Because there were stories that started circulating days after to try and change people's thoughts about what really happened. They're like, hey, we'll tell you what really happened. See, you know, Jesus, when he was on the cross, he didn't really die there. He, he, if he didn't die, then he didn't really come back to life. And they would say things like, well, well, he was on the cross. It was really hot. You know, it was really hot during that time of the day. And so after, you know, he didn't really die. He just fainted. And then they took him down. They put him in a, in a grave. And the grave was nice and cool. So that's when he kind of came back too. And, and that's how it happened. And people are like, huh, well, that's possible. Interesting. And, and, and others said, you know what? Yeah, you know, he died maybe. But, you know, he didn't, he didn't raise from the dead. The, the, the disciples, they stole the body. 
And even one of the, one of the writers says, hey, that story was still going around 20 years after, after um, it happened, that the disciples stole the body. Some of them said, you know, he has a brother that looks like him. And so when, you know, people saw him after, no, that was just his brother. He, he didn't really die. and didn't really raise, r- rise from the dead. He was a good teacher. He was a prophet. But just like all the good teachers before him and all the prophets before him, he's dead. And so the disciples, or the, the four writers, they wrote about this and made sure that people would understand that Jesus was actually dead. If you read in Mark chapter 15, if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. But it says, this all happened on Friday. The whole crucifixion, all that stuff had happened on Friday, the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath. And as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, somebody that they all wrote about, all four guys wrote about this guy named Joseph of Arimathea. It says, he took a risk and went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. And Joseph was an honored member of the high council and was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. Pilate couldn't believe that Jesus was already dead, so he called for the Roman officer and asked if he had died yet. The officer confirmed that Jesus was dead, so Pilate told Joseph that he could have the body. All of the gospel writers write about this man named Joseph of Arimathea, a guy who was a somebody back then. If anybody was questioning, huh, I wonder, you know, if this really happened, Joseph of Arimathea was also one of the high council members. He was one of the group of guys who, who helped capture Jesus in the garden that night, who put him on trial in the middle of the night in an unfair trial, had people lying against him, and he's there watching it all happen, but wasn't powerful enough to stop it. The Bible says that he was a secret follower of Jesus, and he was probably, um, probably a wealthy man based on the fact that he had an own, his own personal, uh, personal tomb. But it says that Pilate, he says he risked something. He risked something to go and ask, um, or uh, say Joseph risked something to go and ask Pilate for the body. And we hear about that and we're like, what's the big deal? That, that doesn't seem like that's a huge risk. And we think, you know, maybe it's because he doesn't want the other, you know, the other guys in the, in the Jewish council to know. But that wasn't it because they wouldn't have been around then. They, they were right ready to get ready for the Sabbath. They would be nowhere near a dead body the day before that happened. But back in the day, as you study Roman crucifixion at that time period, Roman crucifixion was one of the most horrible things. All it was, it didn't matter what they nailed him to, it was just torture. However we can make this death the worst that it possibly can be. That's all it was about. And the fact, it wasn't just for the person there, it's for their family as well. They would just leave the body on the cross. It's just to rot or for the birds to eat. They didn't want, they would never take it down and give it to a family to be buried. They weren't allowed to bury a body that was, that was crucified was against the law. That was these criminals, who, if you were worthy of being crucified, you, you, your body would be thrown in a dump. It would never be buried. So for everybody in that day and age, I would think if a person was crucified, he probably got just thrown, thrown in the dump. There's no real way to know that it was his body or not. And they said, no, we want you to know. There's a guy named Joseph of Arimathea that everyone knows. And he took a risk to say, you know, he maybe had to bribe Pilate to buy this body. You think it's strange when you think about the fact that they gave the body to a perfect stranger. They didn't give the body to, to, his, um, to his mom or to his disciples. They gave, it, they gave the body to a perfect stranger, and yet it's incredible because if this hadn't happened, it's one of those things where it's just saying the proof of, of Jesus being, uh, of being dead is confirmed for, forever. And it was this, that these men had such care and such respect for Jesus. It says that Nicodemus brought 75 pounds of, of, of spices to embalm uh, Jesus' body. It only took one pound to do that. But in, the, in honor of people, they would bring a whole lot more. And Nicodemus brought 75 pounds worth of it. And they embalmed the body of Jesus. And they did it quickly. And they put him in a tomb um, before. And it says that after they put him um, in the tomb, in John, he tells us that they, they closed it. And they knew that it was going to, um, that, the, that the, 
that the tomb being closed, they closed it not expecting him to come out. Not alive. What they put them in the tomb for so that later on, once, the, once everything was kind of decomposed, they would take the bones and put it in a box called an ossuary and write a name on it. And there's tons of these boxes that they find around, uh, around uh, Israel today, just where the bones of the, of the bodies would be so that they could, they could uh, the parents and, and families could keep them. But when they put him in there, they believed that he was dead and that he was dead for good. Think, why is that important? Because nobody then, nobody back then thought Jesus was going to rise from the dead. His own followers didn't think that he was going to rise from the dead. In June, uh, sorry, John chapter 20, verse 1, we have the story where Mary Magdalene is going to the tomb. She's going to the tomb early on Sunday morning. She's one of Jesus' most famous female followers. And the, the other gospel accounts tell us that these, the, her and a few other women are going to the tomb early on Sunday morning. Guess what they're doing? It says they came bringing spices. They're coming to re-embalm the body of Jesus. And uh, you think, I start thinking about that just seems so strange. These two guys already did it and they overdid it with 75 pounds. How come the women are coming now to re-embalm the body? And it's just like today. Back then those women probably thought, well, two guys did it. It couldn't have been done right. So we're going go uh, to go and do it right, right? So they, they, arrived that, they arrived that morning. But you think about this for a second. How crazy is that, that after somebody has been dead, that you would go and you would, you would want to um, re-prepare their body? Who would, who would you do that for? If you think about it, it just speaks of an incredible love and respect for someone. Um, maybe you'd do it for your child. Maybe you would do that for, you know, a grandchild. But would you take somebody's, maybe your spouse? Would you, you know, would you go to the funeral director after a couple days and say, you know, like, I don't think you guys prepared the body well enough. I, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to do that myself and with, with some help. I think, man, that's kind of strange. So the other day I, I was sitting preparing, I asked Beth, I was like, Beth, I said, if I died, you know, and, you know, and been dead for a couple days, and you thought, you know, I don't think that, you know, they prepared the body very well, you know, would you ask them to, like, dig me up so you could, like, re-embalm the body and, and like, re-prepare the body? And she, like, paused. I was like, oh, that's not a good sign. And, 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 you know, would you love and respect me? She's like, well, I don't know. It's like, I don't think my new husband would think that's, uh, uh, you know, appropriate. I'm like, come on, right? But, but you, think, you think about it. You think about this thought. You think, man, we wouldn't do that. And so, so often we read through the Bible so fast that we don't realize it. But guess what? When they came that morning with that intention in mind, they came to the tomb that morning with spices because they believed that he, not just that he had died, that he was still dead and he was going to stay dead. They didn't, his closest followers didn't believe that he was going to come back from the dead or that he was going to rise from the dead or that he was the Messiah. They didn't think any of that. And so when Mary gets to the tomb and she realizes that there's no body in the tomb and she looks and she's like, wait a second. Her first thought is, oh, he rose from the dead. Her first thought is, they stole the body. They, the, they that do everything. They said, they did this. They existed back then and they, whoever they are, stole the body. And it was her first thought. And she's so confused and, and they're so bewildered and they're, they're so, you know, distraught. And they, all the gospel writers write about this. Why do they write that? Why do they write that they're so confused and so distraught? Because they, they were. They were. In Luke chapter 24, in verse 6 to 11, an angel appears to them and says, listen, he's not here. He's risen from the dead. You guys are coming here looking for a dead person. He's alive. And they're like, what? How is this possible? And the angel says to them, remember. Remember what he said um, back in Galilee that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. 
and that he would rise again on the third day. And they're like, yeah, we totally forgot. But yes, that's what he said. So then they remembered what he had said and they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women. So it wasn't just one person's story. And they wrote their names down of who these people were. They ran to tell everybody. And it says in verse 11, when it came to the men, and they told them, it says, but the story sounded like nonsense. Some today, you feel like, man, Mark, seriously, it's just, it just sounds like nonsense. You're in good company. Those closest followers of Jesus back then thought, I don't think this is true. No, you women are just like, you, you guys always come up with stuff. You know, this didn't really happen. This one of your tea parties gone bad, right? Like, this is not, this is, this, nobody rises from the dead. I know you must have seen something through all your tears, but come on, rationally, no. It didn't, it didn't happen. But Peter, Peter jumped up, it says in verse 12, and he ran to the tomb to look, and stooping, he peered in, and he saw the empty linen wrappings, and then he said, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. No, if you read your Bible, he's like, what the heck happened? He says he wondered. He looked in, he's like, okay, the women said he rose from the dead, or an angel, or man, what happened? And it says Peter walks away wondering, and why, they, they write it down. Why is it so important that they write this down that Peter, of all people, is saying, uh, I, 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 I don't believe it, I don't believe it. Here's why. Because if you were making up a story, you would not write it like this. If you wrote a story and saying, hey, I want people to believe, I want people to believe my message, you don't write the fact that you don't believe it. You're like, hey, I don't believe this, but you guys should. You know, it'd be a really cool thing if you spread this around the globe, but no, nah, I don't really believe it. You know, you don't write in there that, like, I was terrified, and so I hid out in a, in a in, you know, in a locked room with all the guys. We just let the women go to the tomb in case they get, you know, hopefully the Romans don't kill them because they're women, but we're not going. You know, we, 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 uh, we hung out, we were afraid. We, you know, a, a middle school girl intimidated me by just simply asking me if I knew him. You know, I, I, um, I denied Jesus three times. I, I lost faith in him. I didn't believe. If you're making up a story that you want the world to hear, you don't make it up like that. You make it up like this. Say, you know what? <sighs> Jesus died. Everybody lost faith. You know, all those people who said they were followers, all, yeah, they don't believe anymore. But ah, Peter, you know, good old Peter. Me and John, we believed. We knew, you know, we had heard and we remembered. He said, yeah, I'm going to die, but three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. And we're like, yeah, we, we knew. It was a little bit sad at first because it was kind of painful to watch, but we knew what was coming. So that morning, you know, Sunday morning before it got light, we're out there. We got all, we got all the rest of them and said, come on, women, you, you remember what Jesus said? And we, we got there and we were by the tomb and we had a band ready, a worship team just ready to celebrate. And we had the local news guys there and they're waiting. And then he says, you know, as we saw the sun just coming up over the Mount of Olives, you know, I started it and then John jumped in and we're like, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and the tomb opened and Jesus walked walked out, and we're like, yeah, celebrating the band, start Chris playing, and worshiping, and it was so awesome, and that's how it happened, and people are like, whoa, I'll believe that, you guys are like, well, I believe that's how it happened, the way it's so convincing, we believe that, but the people who were there, they didn't write it that way, 
Why? Because they actually believed that Jesus was dead. They actually believed that he wasn't the Messiah. They actually believed, they found it too hard to trust and too hard to believe. But Paul said to them, and he says, you know what? Something happened. It wasn't just that Jesus died and was buried, though we know that that's true. It says he rose from the dead, and this was the main point of their message. Once they saw Jesus rose from the dead, they didn't go around and tell Jesus stories. They didn't go around and say, hey, you know, Jesus told stories like this. They said, we saw a man raised from the dead. We saw him. This is not a story. It's not something we're making up. He, raised from, he rose from the dead. And you know, that's our message too. We're not here saying, hey, come to Kingsway. Learn how to be a better husband, a better wife. Learn how to love people. We're saying a man was raised from the dead. There is nothing impossible for a person who is raised from the dead. What he said matters because he was raised from the dead. And these people wrote these accounts down to make sure that we forever would realize that they saw something. We didn't believe, we didn't believe, we didn't believe. And then <gasps> we saw someone. And they wrote it down. And, and you know, it's a, the, 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 it, was, it wasn't just one guy. It wasn't just two guys. There was a bunch of people. Matthew, who's an eyewitness. He hung around with Jesus and he was there, wrote it down. Mark, who they say was a, a, guy, a Greek guy who hung out with Peter and heard Peter's stories like, you know what? He's going to write it down. And it lines up with what Luke said. Luke n- never saw Jesus alive, but he said, I went around and found everybody that I could who, um, who had seen Jesus, and I got all their stories because I wanted to make an accurate account. John, the eyewitness who was right there at that time, John, a close friend of Jesus, wrote it down. Peter, Peter, the guy who denied Jesus and who ran away and wrote the, these things about, him, about himself also wrote that Jesus rose from the dead. And James is probably one of the most incredible ones of all of them. James is the brother of Jesus who growing up with Jesus his whole life is like, that guy is not the Messiah. There's just no way. You know, he's my brother. Like, it just just, doesn't line up. And then after Jesus dies, all of a sudden he's like, no, he's the Messiah. And he's going to lead. What do you, we've asked this question before. What would your brother have to do to convince you that he's the son of God? What would your brother have to do to convince you that he's the son of God? But James, the brother, was like, rose from the dead. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. And they wrote these things down. And the challenge is that people always say, well, they wrote this decades, you know, after the, ki- after the fact. How does anybody remember things decades later? How long is a decade? Ten years. How long would two decades be? Twenty years. We're good. We got our math together. But let, let me just say something. Some of them are thinking, ah, how could they remember those details 20 years later? They could, the thing is, it was only 20 to 40 years later. It wasn't like they could have made up these myths or whatever. But this idea of 20 years later, you remember things from 20 years ago. Anybody remember who this guy is? And please don't say Jesus. <laughs> this is Miley's dad, for those of you who are younger. Billy Ray Cyrus. And anybody remember his hit song, Don't Tell My, my Achy... Oh my goodness. Even know more than just the title. Because if you were my girl. Right. See, uh, enough. That's enough. That's enough. I just want you to know that that was 23 years ago. And you remember it just like that. How many of you, like, you remember this song? Um, We are the champions, my friends. And we'll keep on fighting. That's 37 years ago. How do you remember that? 37. Anybody see this movie before? (laughs) Come on, Forrest Gump. You remember what this guy said 20 years ago, 21 years ago. Hi, my name is Forrest. Forrest Gump. My mom always said life's like a... You, You remember what he said 
20 years ago. Like, well, I've seen it a few times. You know, that you think that these people may, may have like, kept telling these stories time and time again? For sure they did. First, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says to them, he says, listen, he was dead and buried, just like the Scripture said. But he was raised from the dead, just like the Scripture said. And he was seen by Peter, and then he was seen by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. And Paul's writing this only 20 years later. He's like 500 people saw Jesus alive. And he says, and most of them, they're still alive. So if you don't believe in Corinth that he rose from the dead, just take a little boat trip over to Jerusalem and ask them. They were there. There's a number of them who are still alive. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I'd been born at a wrong time, I also saw him. Paul said, you know what? I'm here. I I came to Corinth. Because a man was raised from the dead. He's like, if you want to think that a man wasn't raised from the dead, you're missing the whole point. That is the point. It's all about the fact that a man rose from the dead because it sets him apart from everyone else. Every other religion follows a good man, a good teacher, a prophet. Not us. We follow a man who's raised from the dead and never died again. I find it kind of hard to believe. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 14, And in verse 17, he says says this, And if Christ has not been raised, this isn't really true, then all of our preaching is useless. Useless. He says, and your faith is useless. If you're here and you don't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, you shouldn't be here. It's useless to be here. In verse 17, he says this, And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. If a man didn't raise from the dead, all of this, he says, it's, uh, it's useless. It's useless. You may as well add Christianity to this list of items right here. You know, if your, your faith is about as useless as one of these things. Do we have one? As useless as a blank screen. As useless as one of these. Or these. Or these. funny when you see those, but what do you think about your your faith and what you trust? See, he says, you know what, it's not useless because it's not the fact that he says, if if he wasn't raised from the dead, it's useless. But if he has, oh man. Oh man. See, sometimes we don't think about it well enough or enough. I just want to finish with this story. Jesus was walking after all of this was over on the Sunday, Sunday afternoon, uh, after uh, Easter had happened after he rose from the dead, after the stories we just read. And he says this. Just want to listen to this story. It says, the same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, who was seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. Everything that had happened over this weekend. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing who he was. So he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they're like walking like, who's the new guy, right? We were just having a conversation and Jesus shows up. And he asks them, what are you guys talking about? And their faces stopped short, sadness written across their faces. And then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened here the last few days. I can just picture the next thing here, Jesus kind of like a smirk on his face. What things, guys? What things? Says that, they said the things that happened to Jesus. That, the man from Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles. 
He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. I didn't say he's the Messiah and he's the Savior. No, he was a prophet. He was a good teacher. That's all we can believe at this point. It says, but our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group um, of his followers were at his tomb early this morning. They came back with this amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they'd seen an angel who said that Jesus is alive. And some of our men ran out to see. And sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. We just don't get it. Walking home, the dream's over. They're not just not sure what to think anymore. And Jesus says to them, you simple people, you foolish people. He says, you find it so hard to believe. You find it so hard to trust um, what the prof- or that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering uh, into uh, his glory? And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and the prophets, and he went through the Old Testament, and he began showing them all the scriptures and things concerning himself. And by this time, as they had walked the seven miles, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. So Jesus acted as if, as if he was going to keep on going. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. And as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it and he gave it to them, and suddenly their eyes were opened. Suddenly their eyes were opened suddenly their eyes, not their physical eyes, something all of a sudden on the inside realized, oh, I know who you are. Their eyes were open. They recognized Jesus. And at that moment, he disappeared. <laughs> Keeps doing that, right? Like, I'm going to be with you always. Boom, gone. You know, like, it's me. See ya, right? And they're like, oh, it's him. It's him. They saw him. And it says, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as we talked, as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? I always find that funny too, right? These guys, these two people are there and they're like, all of a sudden one of them's like, yeah, I knew. You know, did, did your heart burn while he was talking? Yeah, my heart burned too. Well, and they realized, you know, our hearts burned within us. And it says they, they, they ran within the hour. They were on their way back to Jerusalem. They found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said to them, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. You know, I find that just uh, amazing is this. It says, as they were walking back, they said, you know, or as they, after they had seen, like, didn't our hearts burn within us when he was sharing with us from the scriptures? Didn't something on the inside tell us, oh, yeah, this makes so much sense. Yeah, I, I, I believe this. In so many of the accounts that we, that we read about, if you read through the story, Jesus says, remember this. He said, don't you remember it was written? Don't you remember that in the scriptures it said this about me? And with the disciples, after they saw him, they're like, ah, how do we know that you're not a ghost? He's like, don't you remember what the Bible says? And he opened their eyes to understand the scriptures. There's something so powerful about this book. It's not just a book. There's something so powerful about this that the things that we've just read today are not cleverly created, man-made tales. This idea of, oh, let's start a religion. Let's do something. They're the very words of God that still burn in hearts today. And for some of you sitting here, it's the first day where you're like, this finally makes sense. I'm finally understanding. I'm finally getting it. I'm finally putting the, the things are starting to fit together that this isn't a story. This is like he's done something. He raised from the dead. He's, a, he's really alive. My challenge for you this morning is what we started at with first, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where Paul says, this is the good news. If you will trust in it, it'll save you. If you're willing to put your trust in, not just, ah, I believe, 
I put my full trust in and I hold desperately to the fact that Jesus, Son of God, he died for my sins. He was buried, but he rose from the dead, that he was seen by others. And he's alive today. He's alive today. By holding on to that, you'll be saved. For some of you, you're going to see your families. You're like, as a follower of Jesus today, you learn some things to be able to share with them. Ah, it's just, yeah, just religion. It's just, nah. Now, nah, nah, a man's raised from the dead. For some of you today, it's bigger than that. For some of you, you're sitting here like, oh my goodness, I've missed it. I, I, but, but something's burning in your heart right now. You're just like, oh, you either want to get out of here really quick or you're just on the inside saying, I want to believe. I want to put my trust. Help me to do that. So my question as I started at the beginning is, what are you trusting in? Do you trust that a man rose from the dead, that this is more than just something you do on a weekend, but this is life and the, 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 the um, opportunities are endless? Or is it like, yeah, I don't know. I find it kind of hard to believe. Do you trust in, in your own abilities and do you trust in your own righteousness and you're like, I'm trying to be a good person, you know, I'm trying to do that. Or do you fully trust in the fact that what Jesus did on the cross, that he died for our sins is more than enough because you know what it is that? He died for our sins. He didn't die for his. And he says, you know, it's not, he just died for sins of somebody. He died for mine. He died for yours. He rose from, he rose from the dead to prove that what he said was all true. So today we're not asking people to join a church. We're not asking you to follow rules. We're not asking you, you know, because we're going to gain something from it. If I could just convince enough of you, I make it to heaven and hopefully you do. You know, if you can convince enough, nothing like that. It's the fact that, you know, I know what it's like to walk through life kind of being a part of church and thinking, you know, about the stories of Jesus and never really knowing that it's real. But come to that place and come to that moment realizing that, no, you know what, I'm a sinner. If I, if, if I stand before God, I'm not good on my own. I thought I was. I tried really hard. did all the right things until I got to that place and realized, you know what, I'm no better than the worst criminal that I read about. Not in the eyes of God. And yet he forgave me yet he was willing to love me and forgive me and give his son for me. Heck yes, I'll take that deal. If he'll forgive me and give me a chance of hope in life, I'll take that deal. I'll put my trust. You're like, well, some of you have asked over the last couple of weeks, how do you trust? I'm just not good at trusting. The thing is, you really are good at trusting. You just don't realize it because every single one of you right now, trust is just simply transferring your weight off of your own onto something else. All of your own abilities onto something else. You're doing it right now. You took all the weight and all your trust off the ability off your own feet and put it in a chair. So I'm willing to trust this chair. It's simply, fully saying, you know what? I'm going to trust God with my life. I'm going to trust that this good news, this story, I'm going to trust it with my life. And you know what happens? It's not just that. Something opens up on the inside. You realize you can hear the voice of God as he leads and directs you through life. So Jesus, today... We remember your death, but we celebrate your life. You conquered death. You did something absolutely incredible that you washed away the sins of 200 people here today, the whole world. It's incredible. Incredible. Jesus, we go out from this place and pray that by your spirit, you help us to share this life and, and the message of you being raised from the dead with our families, with our friends, that they would see the hope, that they would just desire the freedom that you can give their lives would be saved because of it. Thank you for this family. Thank you for this amazing group of people that as you continue to uh, draw them to your word, they continue to grow in you. Thank you for them. Thank you for putting us together as a family. Pray that we're a blessing to our world as you've been a blessing to us. It's in your name and for your glory we pray.
Amen.